I, it's very rare. Like every once in a while, somebody will like, they'll just, cause like whenever I post on social media and stuff, I usually tag my city. And like, I also go to a local coffee shop to work all the time. So yeah, sometimes I'll see someone, but a couple of years back, uh, me and my wife were in our college hometown so, or college town. So we went to commerce and uh, we we're about to go into Walmart and I was just like completely joking with her. And I was like, man, like really hope I don't get recognized. You know, like I don't feel like people bugging me for pictures and stuff, just being an idiot. And then like, sure enough, like we're on an aisle and somebody comes up to me. They're like, hey man, are you, are you Derek? Like Derek Stanley Fitness? And I was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, and they just, they were just telling me that they've been following me for a little while and love all my content. And I just looked at my wife and we both just like busted out laughing. And I told them, I was like, yeah, I was just joking with her that somebody was going to recognize me. I didn't think there was any chance that anybody actually would. So Dude, no, that's hilarious. Like my girlfriend and I, we have like this running joke because the first probably like five or six times we ever hung out someone noticed me no way yeah it was it was so random too because i'm i'm not like that type of person i'm not like like famous nothing like that. so it was just all coincidence but we'd be like at the airport and like i would see someone that i knew from college just like sitting in the terminal like we'd chat for a bit um but she had it in her head that i fucking knew everyone <laughs> like like she thought i knew everyone in the world for a bit because like we'd be in chicago we'd be like in florida at disney or something i would just run into someone that i knew or like someone would notice me from from social media and it was like the goofiest thing in the world because it probably has never happened since then like yeah. it was like the first five or six times we hung out in person someone recognized me no like it makes you feel cool though right like you go a little yeah like i love it every time uh like i said it's rare but whenever it does happen it's pretty cool but i feel like you're a little easier to recognize because like you're so big like how tall are you i'm six one. Oh, are you i always thought you were like i always thought you were like six five or something but no, no, I'm only six one, but like, okay, I have identifiable features, you know. Yeah, yeah, you're a big dude. Well, I've I'm also like, got like the tattoos, so like, okay, the, the the tattoos are like super identifiable and like distinguishable. We'll be at like a, a music festival or something, yeah. and like someone will come up and like notice me or like see me from somewhere just because yeah. of my tattoos. Like, it has nothing to do with like who I am. They just like see my tattoos somewhere, and then yeah. they notice me from that. So like. I guess that's kind of like a cheat code for for the whole like being recognized thing, but no, yeah. man, like that's that's something that I I've always found like really funny, just because like the fitness world and like how everyone just kind of sees random content that gets popped up on their page, and like I know that a lot of people bookmark stuff. So like, how much like do you ever post like random workouts and stuff that you do, like on uh, social media and like yeah, bookmark, yeah. bookmark my own posts? Well, you like like do you ever just like post like workouts that you do? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I I, I do on my stories a lot. Yeah, like, um, whenever I do stuff like that, I'll have like you know, hundred, two hundred people will like bookmark them or whatever. Uh, and and like, whenever I see that, I'm always like, damn, like someone is gonna notice me and be like, I did that yeah. work that you did. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. whenever we're at uh, commercial gyms around the area, I feel like that's just like a super common thing. And you're probably like, uh, yeah, that's cool, but like that was my workout. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, I do post them so that other people can like actually do them. A lot of a lot of the stuff that I post these days is like pretty. I don't, I'll say it's like generalized, but it's definitely not like for me specifically. It's just like the, to put content out there because like my training is t taking such a backseat to everything else the last couple of years. I don't know yeah. if you're the same way. No, yeah, my training has been rough for a couple months, but yeah, uh, I, th I feel like we've kind of been on somewhat similar paths over like the last couple of years. So like, it's again, it's so weird that I'm just not talking to you the first time since I've been following you for so long. But like, I used to like look up to you so much, like or I still do. I say I say I used to like like f you now no but uh but no man like you used to post like crazy videos of you like deadlifting i don't know 
900 pounds or something, six, 700, 800 pounds. Like yeah, yeah. just going full beast mode. And I feel like I don't really see many of your training posts like pop up anymore, but whenever I do now, it's like, they're kind of more like you're focusing more on like hypertrophy and like just quality movement and just, uh, I don't know. It just seems like it's a little bit different. Is it because of injuries or what? Yeah. Well, injuries, but then also like there was just, I couldn't get that motivation to lift like that again after COVID. So like yeah. once, once we got locked down, like once we were quarantined, and I went through like three or four months of like not having access to to heavy weights, not being able to do that stuff. Like I was doing body weight, kettlebell workouts for like three or four months, you know? And then actually at the end of quarantine, so this would have been like maybe a month or so before the gyms here opened back up. I tore my adductor doing Bulgarian squats. Yeah. Wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like complete freak thing. Um, but I, I tore the muscle belly. And and that like, dude, that was a miserable miserable recovery it it took me probably like six months until i was comfortable doing any kind of like deep range of motion squats again um i was i had like a huge mental block against most things for lower body just because of that adductor injury and i was having like you know scar tissue break free like pretty regularly like if i would go down into a lunge pattern like i would just feel this like rice krispies in, in my adductor groin um and yeah dude i mean it was just that was a like a psychologically kind of scarring yeah. thing just because dude, I don't know if you've ever strained or torn an adductor, but dude, it's just, it's such an uncomfortable spot to have an injury. And, and mine, mine was like pretty limiting for quite a while. Just like it really impacted my life, like not even just training, but like how I was able to function in daily life. And I think that was a big wake up call for me where I was like, why am I even doing the yeah. shit doing in the gym now do you mean because of the pain it was hard to function or do you mean like psychologically because like your training was going so poorly that you were just kind of in a dark dark place or what no it was well at first it was the pain like at first it was it was definitely the pain it was like the restriction on on mobility and like not really being able to like sneeze without having a lot of a lot of discomfort like that. yeah yeah because the the issue i had was like i i tore my adductor but like the swelling and the inflammation like went all the way up in like my abdomen so then even whenever I would, if I would cough, if I would sneeze, like my abs would, would tighten and brace and that would pull on my adductor. So then I was getting like all of this referred pain just from, again, like trying to live, you know, and yeah. this is probably like a, another stupid thing, but like, dude, trying to have sex with like a, yeah. a torn or recovering adductor was, I, I was like, this sucks. This is, yeah, I can't do anything. Um, but that really made me reevaluate a lot whenever like I, you you can't you can't avoid like uh valsalvoing about vals, like doing the valsalvo maneuver basically like whenever you orgasm you know like well, well like, or man i can't even like fully extend my hips you know yeah like i, I did so bad yeah i extend my hips and like that's stretching my adductor out and it was just like it was it was really uncomfortable um but yeah whenever i got back into the gym um post covid lockdowns i just I, I had to kind of like reevaluate why I was, I was training the way that I was training before. And I, it was like a conscious, semi-unconscious decision that I made to myself where like, I, I just weighed the risk and reward of like yeah. continuing to train like that. And I realized like if, if I was going to be in consistent discomfort, consistent pain, like not being able to, to live a comfortable, normal life, like even just, Hey, I want to go on a hike. And like not being able to do that because I'm like so out of breath or, you know, not being able to, uh, yeah, it's like not being able to like change directions quickly because I'm like worried about like blowing my Achilles out because I'm like so heavy out all the time. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was, it was a 
slower process, but I, I definitely got to the point where, you know, like business was picking up. So my, my priorities were changing and that was like necessitating less and less time spent at the gym. So I don't have, you know, an hour to warm up anymore. Um, and then, you know, dealing with recovery issues from the injury and then just like the kind of motivational lull, not yeah. really seeing the purpose and like trying to get back to what I was doing. Cause I, I wasn't competing then. Um, I had, I had some like vague aspirations of doing some like powerlifting meets, but like even then I couldn't really stay healthy enough to do like bench squat deadlift specifically. I, I could get really strong on like leg press and like RDLs and different types of, of variations of those movements. But it was like, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I just didn't see the point in like subjecting myself to that risk mm-hmm. if there wasn't going to be like some huge payoff. And like, I guess the payoff for me back then was like, semi making some kind of name for myself in terms of like training and like yeah. having a social media presence and like people being able to see that follow me reach out ask for coaching and you know i guess that that was useful for sure um that that gave me a jump start for what i'm doing now but yeah just i i don't want to be like in a wheelchair whenever i'm 40 man like, I, I can already feel myself getting older so like you you how, or how old are you i'm only 29 oh you're yeah you're young man yeah, I'm young, but like, I mean, obviously you understand this because you have a family, yeah. you have a kid. Um, I don't have a kid, but yeah. uh, I, if I were to ever have a child, like I would yeah. want to be able to like throw a baseball around with them, like run with them, play with them, wrestle. Like, I don't want to be worried about like my, my joints hurting, my low back hurting and stuff like that. Like I just, I, I want to be able to live like a longer, healthier life. And, um, you know, this is kind of monologuing, but I just felt like whenever I was training, like I was training, mm-hmm. I was just like always one rep away from being yeah. like, like fucked for like six months, you know? Yeah. There's, there's some risk inherent with it, you know, like catastrophic injuries, like what you suffered are rare, but I mean, they do happen. And whenever you're pushing the limits, like you were, they're a little bit more likely to possibly happen. You know, how, uh, how long was like your recovery through rehab and like the injury process and everything? Like, so you shouldn't for like a year for like six months, like. So, so I, I tore the muscle belly, so I didn't have to have yeah. surgery. So th- like that was, that was lucky. Um, yeah. but the recovery process of being able to get back into like a full range of motion, that probably, t- I was aggressive in the rehab. I'm, I, I'm not going to lie, but again, part of that was because I had nothing else to do at the beginning other than like yeah. sit and like kind of like toil and do nothing in like an apartment while we're all locked down. So I'm like, well, I might as well like try and do something with this, with this leg. Um, yeah. And I had enough enough knowledge, like how to do that safely and like not re-aggravate the injury. So I was definitely really, really aggressive in like the early stages of like getting the the mobility back, making sure that it didn't like start to contract and seize and like limit everything that I was doing. But um, I would say that it probably took about two to three months before I was able to get like a parallel squat again. Yeah. Um, I. So did you kind of like? How did you ease back in? Did you ease back in by doing like? So like whenever I've suffered injuries before, like I, I usually start with range of motion and things like that. So I'm like starting with like high box squats and then a little bit lower and then a little bit lower and then removing the box with like really light load and then continuing to like progress in that way. Was it similar? Well, at the beginning I couldn't because I, I didn't have access to equipment, right? Because we were still oh, locked down. Um, so at the beginning it was literally like, all right, well, I'm just going to do this pelvic tilting drill because yeah. that was like pretty uncomfortable. Just like shifting my pelvis back and forth and like, having the adductor lengthen and like kind of, you know, contract, it was just, it was uncomfortable. Um, but from there it was like, all right, we're going to do like very low step ups. Like, yeah. can I, can I even like extend my hips? Can I do any kind of like glute bridge 
movement. So like nothing that is even taking my my hips into like deep flexion or stretching my adductor. Yeah, I was, I was just trying to figure out anything that I could do to get blood flow into the area like without aggravating it. And I was trying to do it in as many different ways as possible. So um, so that was a big thing. And like I was also you know, trying to do any kind of like isometric work that I could in different different angles and different um different positions for my adductor so like if i could find a position of hip flexion or hip extension and abduction and adduction that i could apply at least like one percent of pressure i would try and find that and try and do that um but again i had i had no, nothing else to do during this time so so uh yeah it was kind of makes like the timing of the injury even worse i mean like start of lockdown and covid and like everything sucks anyways and it's like you're also dealing with that injury like i'm I'm not gonna lie. I I think I probably would have felt like depressed. Like, cause it, I mean, even like minor injuries and stuff. Whenever you can't like squat how you want to squat and deadlift how you want to like, nothing like it affects your mood throughout the whole entire day. And like, nothing goes as well as it normally would go. It feels like. And like then whenever your training is going awesome, you're getting PRs and everything is in the groove. Like you're in a better mood. Like you're a better coach for your clients. Like all of these things. So, it's uh it's tough. Yeah, definitely. And that was, that was something I experienced too. And at the same time, I was also going through a divorce. So like. Oh, um, yeah. that was just like compounding. Yeah. So like divorce being locked down with like COVID stuff. And then also having to deal with like this, this, um, you know, pretty, pretty big injury that I'd never really had to deal with in that capacity. I was like, all right, this really sucks. So, um, so yeah, like that was just like a, a compounding of factors to where it just necessitated that I changed the the style of training that, that I do now. And now a lot of it is honestly, it's kind of a little unstructured, uh, but I think part of that too is just because my my schedule is it's not variable like i have control over my schedule but there are times you know like i'll have a pretty day or a pretty heavy day of calls where it's like all right shit like if any of these calls goes over i'm gonna have to you know really cut into my gym time or yeah. there are times whenever like i'll have something come up while i'm at the gym it's like all right i've got to leave now like i just shit is happening so i i do think i I think that the the unstructured aspect of the training that I'm doing right now is good for some things because it's it's like less stressful for me and I obviously I know what I'm doing mm-hmm. but I'm also very well aware that I'm not making the the progress that that I probably would want to be making but yeah yeah one of these days I'm going to get my shit together and and continue yeah. to, to push in there well I feel like going through like kind of some unstructured training just like making things fun again and stuff for people like us who have been training for like 10 or 15 years like it's like you said like you know you're not gonna be making like optimal progress but it's good like psychologically sometimes to do that and train like a little bit more intuitively and just go and hit up like some sets of curls and like triceps and things like that yeah dude i i had forgotten what it was like to have like an arm day it's like i would go in and just do like do arms yeah i was like man this is like so boring but at the same time it's like kind of fun because you get just get like such a nasty pump you're like holy shit like i look so dope but uh, that was like one thing for me, but like, what does your training structure look like now? So I was going to say, like, does every lifter kind of go through this? You know, yeah. Because, because like I had a very similar epiphany as you, and this was just like a couple of months ago. So I was just like hanging out with a group of friends. Like I sh- probably should have journaled about this, but we just got to talking and, you know, we were talking about our training and everything. And I was complaining about how like my knees are always aching and my low back is always, you know, it's fine. Uh, but I had kind of just forgotten what it felt like to feel like really good and be like really healthy. And I started thinking, I'm like, what, what's the point? Like, kind of like you said too, but like you had even more of a point to do it because you were actually lifting like very impressive numbers and could have possibly like competed in like broken records and things like that. Like, 
I've been training for 15 years and I'm still going for a 600 pound deadlift and I'm at 576 pounds. So I'm 24 pounds away. And I started realizing like, why am I going for a 600? Like, just so I can post it on Instagram and get like a few likes, you know, like what, like, why am I really doing this? Because it's like, for me to go from 576 to 600 after this long of training, it's going to take some ball busting work. Like it's going to suck. Like I'm going to be deadlifting two or three pounds per week. My knees are going to continue to ache. Whenever I'm rolling around and wrestling with my son on the floor, I'm going to be feeling more pain, which is going to put a damper on things. So like, yeah, it was like four or five months ago, I completely made a change. And I started there for a little bit. I just started doing like random workouts, like making things fun. So it was like completely unstructured for maybe a month or two. And now for the last like three or four months, I've been doing a little bit more structured, just full on like hypertrophy training. So like I haven't done a deadlift from the floor in four months i haven't done a barbell back squat in four months like now i'm training on the smith machine and i'm taking like three two one tempo like yeah. very slow down i'm pausing at the bottom and like i'm just getting my legs like engorged with blood and like just getting insane pumps and dude i'll tell you like uh it's been a lot of fun first of all but also i've never felt this good in my whole entire life like my knees aren't aching like my back's not aching like i run around with my son all day every day like in the evenings i feel like i could go like dunk a basketball for the first time in like several years it's just amazing like whenever you don't have those small aches and pains how much more potential like performance potential you have because like even on uh i'm still hitting big numbers even on like accessory stuff so like hip thrusting 405 pounds plus like rdl on like 365 and things like that so i'm still hitting good numbers but i'm not i've completely shifted my mindset and i'm not just like hammering away at squat, deadlift, and bench, and kind of letting some of those uh, repetitive injuries that come up over the years like finally fully heal. And I just feel great. So, do you have a powerlifting background? Uh, so I've done. Uh, I don't. I don't call myself a powerlifter. I've done powerlifting meets. So I've done. I think five or six meets. So I competed at nationals, like drug tested nationals, okay. in uh, June of was it last year? Yeah, June of so about. Can't believe it's already been a year ago. But yeah, any, I completed at uh, drug tested nationals in uh, Atlanta last year. But that was like my fifth or sixth meet that I've done. And then, yeah, you know how it goes. Like whenever you're yeah, yep. drinking. So after that, like I was, that's whenever I started getting burned out because it's like, man, all this damn work to go from like a 565 pound deadlift at my last meet to like a 576 or whatever, like for 10 pounds. Like that's like two hour training sessions, yeah. five times per week. And now, I bet my total training time for the whole entire week is like five hours. Like I'm doing 45 to 60 minute sessions. I'm getting in, getting yeah. out, got more time for like hobbies, for going for walks, doing a little bit more cardio, things that are going to lead to like more long-term health and all that. So it's been cool. I, sometimes I look back at like some of the, the stuff that I was doing back whenever I was at my biggest and strongest. I mean, you were a beast, bro. Like what? Cause you've leaned out a lot too. Like what were you at? Like weight wise and stuff like back then. The heaviest I ever got was 275. That's insane. Yeah. What are, you, are, you like, are you like 220 now? Like 20, 220. Yeah. Dude, yeah. you look great. Well, so the thing with that is that the 275, I was, I was gigantic for sure. Yeah. But that's why, that's why I thought you were like 6'5. Dude, I was just, you were so big. Like, I was just so uncomfortable, man. Like, like some people can hold 275 well. Like, I have friends who they're, 275 300 and i'm like dude you you look normal like you look like, yeah. like a normal big dude but me it's a big ass human though 
Yeah, but, but me being that big because I'm just naturally a very thin person. Like I've got a small skeleton. I'm not dense. So like if you look at my joints, like my joints are are small. You you can't see now. But yeah, I've got small joints. They're not made to hold a lot of muscle on them. They're not made to hold a lot of load on my back. Nothing like that. So whenever I was 275, I was just, I was hauling around so much unnatural weight on my body. And granted, I was like relatively lean, I guess, like for being that big, I was, I was still probably, you know, like sub 15% body fat. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like the amount of food I had to eat, um, obviously like the amount of like, unfortunately PEDs that like you had, to, I had to take to be yeah. that size, like the, the training that I had to do, it do was absolutely insane. I was killing myself and like, there were, there were periods where I would do, I, I was up to at one point, like six times a week training. And each of those training sessions was. It was like push, pull legs, push, pull leg. But each of those training sessions was like, you know, two plus hours, crazy voluminous. That's, that's a job. That's like a part-time job. Yeah, like, dude, it was. It really that doesn't That doesn't even include the food and the meal prep to hit like probably the calorie that you needed to hit. And dude, that was the other part of the job was there was also, I, I think it had to have been whenever I was at my biggest because I remember it really specifically that my maintenance was like 5,500 calories a day. Dude, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, people always now will, will talk to me and be like, oh, like, why'd you lose so much weight? Or like, you know, like, are you trying to lose weight? And I'm like, I'm not trying to lose weight, but like, I still hate food. Yeah. I had to eat that much food just to maintain my body weight. Like people will talk about how prepping is really hard or like dieting is really hard. And it is hard. It is really yeah. hard, but I've done both. And I would a hundred percent, a million times out of a million times take dieting. Versus trying to force feed myself all fucking day because like, I'm, I was having to like restrict how much sleep I was getting to eat enough food. That's when you're like, man, like, is this really worth it? Like, yeah. yeah. Well, back then I was like, so like tunnel visioned, like I, I yeah. couldn't think of anything else other than like training and, and doing that, doing exactly what I was doing in the moment. Like that was my entire life. I didn't, I didn't have any interests. I didn't have any hobbies. Like that was, that was it, you know? And it's crazy for me to think about now. Like, you know, now I train four times a week and like my training sessions are 45 minutes. I win. I don't, I don't fuck around. I just go in, get my stuff done. Um, you know, I eat three, three meals a day and it's like, yeah, it's, it's just, it's so simple. And part of that, it, well, I guess two things, part of that makes me realize just how easy it is. Like maintain one you've done it for such a long time. So like, if you have a, a really solid foundation of like muscularity, strength, like, conditioning technique all those things if you have done that for a long time your body just wants to hold on to it like maintaining yeah. is, is so much easier than i think a lot of people realize and for me to have like regressed down this far like you know i've been like act actively bullshitting around like like yeah. i i maintain my my physique or i guess like my muscularity rel relatively well for a long time uh but like the second thing too is that if once you have done like these habitual things for a really long time. It's just so second nature. Like I don't yeah. think anything anymore. I go in, I know what I'm doing just back of mind. Like I don't think about the training that I'm doing. Like I can literally go in there and just hit like a 45 minute session and just do upper body. And like intuitively I'll hit every like main pattern and just like superset antagonistic muscle groups. I'll do, you know, like, like two to three sets of everything, like eight to 12 reps of everything keep rest periods like 30 to 45. Like, it's crazy how intuitive I do everything at this point because I had done it for so long. And the same thing with nutrition, like very, very similar with nutrition. 
dude, yeah, if if I pour out dry rice into a cup, I don't have to yeah. wait. Like I know, I know exactly. Like I can hear the grains hit, and I'm like, I can count them in my brain, you know. So it's like, it's crazy how how much that stuff has just been like imprinted in my head and in my brain at this point. Where before, and for a lot of people, like trying to get into that stuff, it's just like such a hassle. It's like such a mental effort. But once you do it, it's like it's almost the opposite. Like you can't break yourself out of doing those things now, right? Yeah, I feel like uh, I'm at a point to where like just nutrition is so easy for me and hasn't always been that way like it's taken a lot of work to get to this point with habit changes tracking my food intake all kinds of things like that but it's like now if my goals change if I want to go from a surplus to a deficit or from maintenance to a surplus whatever like I just make these smallest changes to my nutrition and I can instantly do it like that so it's like I used to have you know two or three packets of instant oatmeal for breakfast with a protein shake and some fruit and like whenever that's kind of like your very consistent like daily menu basically you can just like Hey, I'm going to start having one packet of this instant oatmeal now, still have my protein shake, still have my fruit. And the same thing for lunch. Just like, well, I normally have, what do I normally have for lunch? I usually have like eggs or egg whites and some rice, maybe some type of burrito bowl. But now it's like, I just cut out the whole grains and I just have extra fruits or veggies, but it's like really simple swaps like that. And that's what I try to like get all of my clients too. So like one of the, whenever we, I start coaching with someone and you can tell me if you do the same thing, but I just like, I'm always telling them about meal structure. I'm like, let's get you on a good meal structure. Like you need to be eating like three to five meals per day at somewhat similar times. Of course you need to have like some flexibility with it, but uh, like you don't have to eat at exactly 9am and 1pm every day, but eat somewhere between like eight and 10, somewhere between one and three and just get somewhat of a similar structure. Do that. And if you also go to bed at about the same time, every single day, I feel like everything just falls into place and it makes everything a million times easier. You're not having to stress about like every grain of carbohydrate, like all of that. So, so yeah, to your point, like it just feels way easier now and so intuitive to where it didn't used to feel that way. It used to be kind of like, um, white knuckling or something like tracking every, like stressing about like, oh man, was this 160 grams of freaking banana or was it like 155, you know, now it's like, I don't care. It's a medium sized banana and I just eat it and. Even if I am tracking my nutrition, I just, nutrition's, even if I'm tracking my nutrition, I just eyeball it and guesstimate it. And I guarantee you I'm with them like 10 or 15 grams just because I've been doing it for so long. So, yeah, dude, I, I think that like having a consistent routine for anything yeah. is probably the most important thing. Mm -hmm. uh, important. Well, is there, is there anything, is there anything throughout your day that like you've identified, like whenever I do this one thing, like everything else kind of falls into place and like my days are so much better. Yeah, waking up whenever yeah. I wake up. Whenever like, you want. Like, like not having to go. Like whenever I intend to wake up. So so I, I'm a morning person, right? So like okay. usually I'll, I'll try and wake up by like 4 a.m. Um, I'm not that much of a morning person. I'm like a 5, 5 a.m., 5.30 morning person. Yeah, yeah. So dude, um, I've become a morning person over the years, mostly because I've realized that whenever I get really stressed, whenever I get really overworked, really overwhelmed, anxious, all that, the more time that I can have at the beginning of my day to like ease in and have mm -hmm. like peace, calm, privacy, whenever I'm not jumping out of bed right into work, right onto my computer and like having all these like notifications hit me. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. The more time that I have at the beginning kind of for myself, just the better my mood is and the more able I am to tackle everything else in my day. So it's, I've noticed that dude, if I, if I sleep in until 6am, mm -hmm. it feels like I can't do anything the rest of the day. Yeah. And it's not that I'm incapable of it. It's just more so that like 
I automatically feel like shit, like I don't have that time at the beginning to really like allow myself to slowly ease into my day. I feel like I'm already kind of having to rush in. Yeah. And again, it's it's not necessarily like that because I'm not, you know, planning shit at 6 a.m. But I usually do try and structure my day to the point where it's like, okay, like I have a, a couple hours, two to three hours in the morning where it's kind of just like my bullshit time, right? So whereas yeah. other people would have that like at the end of their day, I kind of had, had that at the beginning yeah. of my day. Um, but it's just, you know, no one else is awake. I, I can do whatever I want to. I can read if I want to. I can, you know, fuck around on my computer if I want to, which I, I never do. But, you know, it's more so like whatever, whatever I do. Yeah. yeah, it's just, a, it's just where you're bombarded with messages and like yeah. social media and like email and all those types of things and programming and work. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, re I really just, I, I like that silence. Like I like yeah. the silence of 4am. It's just very peaceful for me. Um, but dude, I feel like silence is so important. Like yeah. I'll feel most people like actually carve time out, even if it's just like for five minutes to sit there and just like be quiet and don't have any inputs and don't be staring at like TikTok reels or, or Instagram reels or TikTok or anything like that. Just like sit in silence and like be with your own thoughts. I feel like there's some kind of cliche quote wrapped up in that, but uh, you get what I'm saying. Like it's well, yeah, so there, important. There's definitely like some Confucian quote, you know? Yeah, yeah. There's something there. But I, uh, I definitely agree with that. You know, like I, it's difficult to just sit and do nothing. Yeah. And I find that as my day goes on longer, it becomes more and more and more challenging for me to sit and do nothing because I'm distracted. Like I have all of these things in my head that like I need to do or I want to do or I have to respond to this person. I have to check this email or I have to check this notification. I have to, you know, plan for tomorrow. So it's like, again, in the morning, if I can wake up at 4 a.m. and have like those couple of hours to myself, that sets me up for success. Basically, more than anything else I could do that and actually like planning my day out beforehand. So like the like the night before I go to bed, I plan my following day out. And I just try and, you know, have some general structure like, okay, I want to accomplish these things. I need to, you know, go to the gym at some point. So let me go ahead and like throw that in here. Yeah. The podcast that I'm recording at this time, I need to, you know, go to on a lunch date or a dinner date, whatever with my girlfriend. I know that I need to carve out time for that. But like just being able to sit and like look at my next day and all the things that like I need to get done, the things that I want to get done. It just takes the anxiety and stress away from it because I know that each of those things has like a time block for it, you know? Yeah. Whereas just trying to like free ball it the, the following morning and just being very overwhelmed and trying to like, you know, work without a lot of direction, um, which that's what I used to do. I used to just be very like chaotic with everything that I did. Somehow it got done. But these days I, I need structure and I need like that, I guess, me time, that that privacy, yeah. some, some way to decompress. Do you, do you, are you in a pretty consistent routine or habit where you do that every single night, like plan your day out, like kind of hour by hour, like in your calendar or something? Uh, yeah, I try and do it by 30 minute time blocks, but, uh, but sometimes it'll, it'll be, you know, a little bit more rough around the edges than that. But yeah. really the most important thing for me is just, it's the practice of doing it. It's just like being aware enough and like on top of my shit enough to sit mm -hmm. down the night before and take literally five minutes and just map yeah. out what my next day looks like and then obviously like the waking up in the morning is a little bit more difficult sometimes but like it's really the small shit like it's the small shit that i just need to do and i know that i need to do but sometimes yeah. like it's challenging for me like if i get home from a late dinner and it's like 9 p.m i'm like i just don't want to even go into my office and look at that shit it's yeah. hard to convince myself to do it but like once i do it I know that the next day is like the chances that the next day will be a good day and productive increase by like hundredfold. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it's like that small commitment, even whenever you're really tired, is totally worth it. For sure. Oh, you your day the next day is going to be so much better. Yeah. A hundred percent. What about you? Like, do you find anything like that? Dude. So, uh, my one thing I would say, uh, and I've actually like nerded out on this. I've gone through like literally almost minute by minute and I've wrote down like all of my daily habits, like what I do. And then I like look at it and I'm like, well, that's a fucking waste of time. Like that's a waste of time. Like what else can I do instead of this? What else can I do instead of that? And I also make these connections where I'm trying to identify like these different things. Like whenever I'm feeling my best, whenever I'm in a really good mood, whenever I'm feeling happy, what are the types of habits and what are the types of things that I'm doing? And I've got a whole list and I've had some of my clients do this the same. So if I, I could show you on my notes app, I'm not going to, but I've got a whole list of things. Like it's literally titled like things that make me happy or something like yeah. that. And it's a list of like 30 things. And so like whenever I'm feeling in a funk or whenever I'm having a really bad day or like my training is going really poorly, I go to that list and I look at it and I'm like, man, like these are all the things that I'm doing whenever I'm feeling really good, you know? And so like, I'm like, what can I get back to doing to help me get back to that good spot, you know? And uh, one of the things that like really pops up over and over again is like whenever I am consistently reading first thing in the mornings. So like if I wake up, don't look at my phone, don't get on social media, don't check my email, don't check baseball scores and like literally just pick up a book, grab my coffee, go sit out on the patio or sit on the couch, sit at the table and read for 30 to 60 minutes. Everything for the rest of my day is so much better. Like I just feel like it's like warm up cognitively for my brain. Like I'm getting going, I'm waking up, warming my brain up and I feel like I'm a better coach for my clients. I feel like I communicate better with my wife, like all of these different things that I can kind of connect to that one habit. So that's definitely uh, my thing. No, dude, that's, that's exactly what I mean. You're an avid reader too, I know. Like, yeah, I do the exact same thing. Um, and you know, part of that too, for me, is exactly what you said, is I, I try my best to not look at my phone until yeah. like 10 or 11 a.m. And the longer that I've found that I can push looking at my phone the first time, whenever I say looking at my phone, I also mean like looking at messages, looking at like yes. Instagram, look, look, but I don't mean like, you know, looking at some like meditation app or, or anything like that, which is definitely a little bit different. But, um, but for me, I found that those are so correlated. Like I, the reading is kind of like my, my self-love time, right? Like mm -hmm. me, like showing up for myself and be like, look, like we're going to do this because whenever you do it, you yep. feel better. You feel like you start your day off accomplished, right? Like, I guess me reading is very much like someone else making their bet. A little bit more involved, a little bit more time consuming. Making their bed is is definitely an easier thing. That's my equivalent. There is like again, it's it's starting your day off with something that immediately makes you feel energized, makes you feel productive, and makes you feel like you've kind of taken that leap forward before yeah. everyone else is even awake. Well, for me, in my case, at least, because I wake up so early, like I feel like I've I've accomplished shit before everyone else has even woken up, um, and I, I like that feeling a lot. And you know. Part of the the thing too is you know just not checking my phone because it's very easy for me to get distracted. Mm -hmm. Like my brain is like a monkey brain, so like, so I'll, I'll be sitting on my computer like trying to get work done, and I'm like toggling back and forth between windows, like checking this, checking that. Like I have to keep my phone in the other room while I'm working, so I don't check it. All those things. Um, but I found that again in the morning. This is uh, another big reason why I like to do this is that. I can be very like unilaterally focused. Yeah. I, I don't feel that like pushing and pulling of my attention in all of these different directions. Like I can literally just pay attention to something that is seemingly like unimportant for that, that moment, which is, you know, some random book that I decided to read. Like there's, there's no urgency to read that book. 
Like I don't have to, to do it today. I don't have to do it tomorrow. It's just because I'm choosing to do it. So my attention can be purely on that moment that I'm, that I'm in. And it's so much easier to focus. Yeah. And it's probably like the only time that I really get during the day where I, I don't feel like I'm either kind of getting transported into the future by being yeah. a little anxious or worrying about something or being like, you know, shuttled in the past being like, oh shit. Like I'm just hung up on like ma making that mistake or like, you know, I fucked that up or like, oh, I really wish that I could do this over again or like all of those things. It's just like I'm consistently um, being pulled back and forth in, in all of these different directions. And the, part of that is my own doing, definitely. But, um, you know, starting your day out in, in some, some way, shape form that makes you happy like you said you had that yeah. lit um dude I'm, that's probably honestly something i should sit down and do yeah yeah so like whenever you're doing that that morning shit that you do it's like yeah. you just feel like you're fully focused and like fully present and i feel and like you said all other parts of the day it's so hard to hard to get that because you got other demands and people hollering at you and texting you and emailing you and all that so yeah do you you read a lot, like you read, I know you read a bunch of books. Do you read a lot about like mindfulness and stuff like that? Cause I feel like kind of what you're saying is, cause I, I do, yeah. like I'm, I've been, I've been on a kick for the last like couple of years and it's just really interesting to me. And again, that's another thing that I've noticed that like whenever I'm being mindful and trying to be as present as possible, like even on this podcast, like I had to shut my blinds and I put my dogs in my air conditioned garage and shut the door. Cause like, I know that if the Amazon delivery guy comes like, that's going to just going to like pull me away, you know, and it's going to distract me. And so I just try to like handle all that so that I can fully like focus on having a conversation with you. I don't know where I'm going with that, but my, my dog is, uh, she's at the moment peacefully sleeping yeah. next to me. We'll hope that the Amazon delivery guy doesn't walk out yeah. from the door while we're, while we're talking, I'm going to knock on wood here, but, um, but no, I, I agree with you. And I actually, I've gone through phases. So like for me, whenever I'm reading it, I do my best to just choose a topic or choose a book that like I actually want to read. Right. Like I don't, I I've gone through different phases with reading where like I, I try and read shit that like I, I feel will make me a better person or like make me more productive, make me like a better business owner. Um, and then I just got to the point where I was like, this is, this is for me. Like I'm like, if I want to read about some random bullshit that like, just like stoked my interest that day, like I'm going to read that, well, you know? Yeah, it's like I, I want to read this because I want to read it, not because I feel like there's some other things or like, you know, forcing me into self-help or business or, you know, money management, whatever, right? So I definitely have gotten on these mindfulness kicks. I actually just read a book um, not that long ago. It's called Waking Up by Sam Harris. I don't know if you've ever read that. Well, I mean, I used to have his app and everything. Like, I think it's the Waking Up app, but I haven't uh, I haven't read the book. Was it good? It, it's, not, it's not bad. It's not bad. I, like, I don't know, like, I definitely expected a little bit more. Like, I don't know if you know how much, know much about Sam Harris. Uh, not, not a ton. I mean, I've, I've heard him on a couple of different, I think he's got the 10% happier podcast or something like that. Is that his? Uh, I don't think that's his. I, he has a podcast, but I don't remember what it's okay. called. Uh, but yeah, I, I know who he is. Like I'm somewhat familiar, but I haven't like read a bunch of books and like done a deep dive on him or anything like that. So oh, no, he's, he's just like a, a really, really intellectual dude, but, um, yeah. I don't know the, the book, the book is okay. It wasn't, it wasn't horrible, but. Yeah. Um, it was very much like, you know, mindfulness, it's mixing yeah. a lot of like the ideas of like the brain and consciousness and like, you know, Eastern philosophy and trying to find some kind of like, you know, connection in there be like, cause he's, well, Sam Harris is, is an atheist, but like this book is very spiritual. So it's him kind of like walking through his own struggles with like being atheist, but also like a very spiritual person. Yeah. I felt like that was an interesting dynamic in the book, but, um, but no, I definitely am and big on a lot of like the mindfulness and like i'm 
I, I don't know about your your religious beliefs, but like I'm not religious. Um, but I would also classify myself as like being at least partially spiritual. Like I, I have beliefs that like I I want I want to like actually believe those things. You know what I mean? Like there that I have leanings that um that I would really, really hope are true in some capacity. Yeah. It makes life a lot a lot more beautiful to yeah those things. I, feel, I feel like if even if you're like if you're not religious you still need to have some kind of like spiritual like whether it's i don't know whether it's like stoicism or like or some type of philosophy that you can adhere to you know yeah. it's, it's hard to just not believe in anything yeah um yeah. but there are there are some people for sure that just don't believe in anything um but it's hard for me to get to that point you know like my rational brain can understand how yeah. how that would be true but i think it's like my hopeful brain that is like man i, I don't want there to be nothing you know so right. but um but yeah we definitely don't have to like turn this into a religious talk <laughs> but uh, like i uh, i i've read quite a bit of like spiritual stuff um yeah. i think also because i've had like a pretty pretty strong fascination with like uh psychedelics and like hallucinogens and like that type of like those so, drug use hey. also yeah, while we're on that topic, you actually, I was telling my friend, uh, we went on a ruck a couple of weeks ago, and I was actually, this was before you reached out to me to be on your podcast. I was telling him, they're like, you completely changed, like, my my perspective on those types of things. Like, even, like, in yeah. the early 20s and stuff, yeah, dude, I just used to be, like, so scared of even, like, edibles or, like, weed, and I thought it was bad, and I was, like, judgmental and stuff, and now it's, like, I'm, like, I feel like you've had a huge part in just making me, like, so much more open-minded about all of those types of things, and, like, definitely, like, I, I'm no longer judgmental. Like I couldn't care less what somebody chooses to do. And I think a lot of that stuff is far less worse than like getting drunk all the time and alcohol. So, uh, yeah, instead of everything that, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. No, like I've actually gotten to a point where, um, where I'm trying to be sober. Yeah. So I, I think, well, I haven't, I haven't swung full pendulum. Like I'm not anti-drug or anything like that. Definitely yeah. not anti-drug. Um, it's more so like I've experienced a lot whenever it comes to like, you know, that world and kind of just want to calm down, you know, just calm yeah. down, especially whenever it comes like the party scene. But, um, the psychedelic stuff, dude, it like, I don't know. Have you ever, you've never tried anything like that once? What? Yeah. 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 Was it, was it a bad experience? No, no, it was actually great. Uh, it was just like a very tiny amount. Like it wasn't like a, like it was like 0.1, whatever. I don't know. Like just micro dose basically. Yeah. Dude, so, um, so with that, like I've had some pretty, pretty like profound yeah psychedelic experiences and because of that like that's impacted my beliefs on like spirituality quite a bit um it's kind of impossible to not that, have and that because when you do it like does it make you like super introspective and like like heightened awareness and stuff and you're like you're just kind of thinking or what so it's very hard to explain what what a like a, a really strong like psychedelic trip would feel like yeah. to and like you, that subjective experience, um, there's actually really no words to it. So like, it's funny because whenever they do it in clinical settings, they have something that's called the, I think it's called like the ineffable index. Yeah. I think that's actually what they call it, but that essentially means like the unspeakable index, like how hard is it to actually put words to this? And we're going to grade you on that scale and a high scale is like a very strong trip. Right. So like, if you can't really talk about it in, in human language, that means you had a pretty strong like, trip. Unless somebody else has experienced it, they couldn't possibly. Yeah. 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 So, um, so it, again, it is, it is pretty challenging to, to put like words to anything that you would be feeling or seeing or, or experiencing in that world. But, um, well, once you do it, 
it it changes you. It changes you like for I, I guess better and worse. Like some people definitely are worse in different areas. But um, I had I had one experience in particular. I think I talked about this quite a bit. Um, but it was in 2020, so this was actually like you know around the time of you know me tearing my adductor, me getting a divorce, like COVID, all that stuff. So just a very very busy year for me. Yeah. Um, but I had a, a super intense uh psychedelic trip and dude like i've talked to people and they're like yeah you pretty much have never been the same since then but like in a good way like really yeah it was yeah that's that's another thing that started making me so less or like think about it so much more is because like i talked to people that like multiple people who like told me that it changed their lives and like made their lives so much better and like after doing it they were just like a completely different person so it's like how can you like how can you judge that like if it's if it helps this person and like they stopped like getting drunk every single night and like they're no longer an alcoholic and you know yeah um just like without going into too much details like what specifically happened with me um it was what i would consider to be like a very bad trip so it wasn't one of those where like i saw god and like you know it's like crazy euphoric like i'm one with the universe type of experience it wasn't anything beautiful like that um like mine was like the exact opposite actually so it was it was just one of those things where it's like after it ended, I had like the most insane amount of gratitude for yeah. for like this experience being over. Really, and for me not for me like not being permanently fucked up and like in yeah. some like loony bed or like dead or arrested. Like yeah. like the fact that I had I I got through that and I was like still me. Really, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, so I, it's like a traumatic experience where somebody has like almost a life life ending like injury or crash or something like that and then they just take on like a whole new perspective so so without sounding dramatic like this, it yeah. was very much a near-death experience yeah. yeah um so without it being like a physically near-death it was like a psychological near-death yeah. experience yeah. Um, but whenever i came back it was it was that like moment of like why like why am i just like wasting my life like yeah. like i felt very much like i had a second chance to kind of like start fresh in that moment so yeah, like it wasn't a conscious decision that I made to be like, oh, I'm just going to be like a good person now. Or I'm going to do, do things different. I'm going to try hard. Like it wasn't anything like that. It was just like this subtle rewiring of, of my pain. And so like, crazy. yeah, just, I, it was going through like a very difficult personal time anyway. And then after that happened, I was like, yeah, you know, like, I think I just kind of want to do some things different. Like I don't, don't like the way that I've been living my life. I, I want to just kind of try and fork a different path now. Um, but, you know, obviously, like, everyone can have different experiences, but those that I've had um, have made me increasingly aware of, like, things like mindfulness and just, like, where my brain is going. Because whenever you are under the influence of, like, a psychedelic drug, you you mentioned being introspective, you know, and, like, that's a huge component of it is you're aware of your own awareness, you know? Mm-hmm. You're, you're being able to almost, like, take a step back and, like, dissociate from your conscious thoughts, and you can see, like, how monkey-brained you actually are. And... The more that you can kind of like slow and quiet that voice in your head, the better a psychedelic experience is going to be because then you, you're not freaking out. You know, you can actually just like settle into it. So I became like really, really interested in things like meditation and things like, you know, just, I guess, spirituality and more, you know, Eastern spirituality, Buddhism and stuff like that afterwards. Um, haven't gone as deep into those things as I would probably like to or need to, but you know, I, I would hope that I'm not, you know, completely ignorant of those anymore. Right. Yeah, I know it's super, super interesting to, yeah, I'm, I'm not an expert on it by any means. And, but I have like over the last two or three years, just been like so much more interested in it. And I've 
dug into like all the mindfulness books and things like that and try to try to keep a pretty daily habit of meditating. I'm not the greatest with it, but I, I may hit like 3.5 days per week on average, you know, but uh, yeah, I just, I love it, man. Like I love like, and it's like, you can bring mindfulness to like literally everything you do, like driving your truck, like just turn off your phone and like be quiet and like pay attention to like things that you don't normally see. And having a kid kind of help with that too, because it's like, uh, like there's certain little things that like whenever I'm taking them to school, like we'll point out and we'll see like, Oh, like there's a school bus or like we'll count the school buses or it could be something dumb. Like, uh, I don't know, uh, a stick in a road or something like that. But it's like little things that like I start paying more attention to. And then like, even whenever he's not with me, like I'll take a picture of it so that I can show him like, Oh buddy, look what I saw when I was driving to whatever, you know, but it, but yeah, uh, you can practice mindfulness when you're driving, you can practice mindfulness, like going for a walk. Like sometimes I'll do those, uh, mindfulness walks so on the app uh, i use the calm app but yeah you can do a mindfulness walk like you know mindful eating like just slowing down how i'm eating and like literally paying attention to like the smells and the taste and the aroma and all that and it just carries over into so much more and i was actually having a conversation with somebody the other day too about how like i think all of those types of things like just trying to carve out some mindfulness or some silence sometime throughout your day even helps like drastically with sleep like getting to sleep and like falling asleep uh I don't really know how, but I know that like whenever I'm doing those things, it's definitely easier for me to be chill and relax at the end of the day. Uh, so it's almost like, uh, you just like your bedtime routine, your nighttime routine, like that stuff is important, but it kind of starts early in the day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There, there are times whenever I'm in the middle of my day and I'll have to stop what I'm doing and just take like five minutes of just like breathing. Yeah. I, I yeah. I'll like just close my computer. I'll set an alarm on my phone. And just close my eyes, lean back yeah. in my chair, and just breathe, and just focus on breathing. Try not to allow my brain to drift. Just like inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale, and I just like count. So it's just like one, two, three, four, five, three, four. and like that is obviously crazy because you realize like how shitty your breathing patterns are. For one, yeah. like both of our breathing patterns are so shallow. Like it's, I get out of breath just breathing whenever I do those like really extended inhale inhalations and exhalations. But yeah. um, like tight at the end. Yeah, 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 but. Dude, just like it's so, like it's just a rush of euphoria yeah. that comes over you at the end of that, where you're like, I just feel like I lifted the veil off yeah. my head, and you know, it's still difficult for me to like convince myself to do it in the middle of my day when I'm like I have so much shit I need to do, like I I can't set aside yeah. five minutes. But every time I do it, I'm always like very appreciative that I did do it, and it always improves my mood drastically. And um, I don't know if you do anything like that. Do you go on like walks that are just like. Yeah. Yeah, during your day. Yeah. So what you were just saying, like, do you know who Brian Cron is? That name sounds familiar. He's he's somewhat, uh, he's got a social media presence, but okay. I've been following him for quite a while. I've like, heard him present a couple of times and things like that. Uh, but he had a quote a, a while back. It's probably like a couple of years ago, maybe even like three or four years ago, but it has stuck with me ever since. And he basically said something along the lines of like, if you don't have time to, if you feel like you're too busy or don't have time to meditate for five minutes, you need to meditate for 30 minutes. You know, and that is just like yeah. stuck with me for so long. And I've probably repeated it like multiple times since in different types of ways. But, uh, but yeah, I do do things like that. So if I'm feeling stressed with like work or really with anything. Like I'll just, I'll go out and walk. Sometimes I won't even put headphones in. I'll just go walk and like be quiet and like be in my own head and like thinking and stuff. Or I'll go lay down and do like a, uh, I guess like, like like a meta nap or something. Like I'll meditate for like five to 10 minutes and just kind of like drift off into sleep and I'll take like a 20 minute nap. And uh, yeah, it's interesting because so many people be like, how do you have time for that? Like how you, and it's like, I make time for it. Like, cause 
whenever I do those things, I'm going to be so much more productive rest of the day. I'm going to be in a better mood for wife and kid and clients and all that. So yeah, definitely. I try to make time for those things on a daily basis. So my, my wife, give my wife and one of my best friends give me a hard time all the time because I'm like, so just, I'm super chill, dude. Like I don't have any problem like relaxing. Like I'll take like some days, like I'll take a hot bath at the end of the day and I'll just like read a book and like chill out. But yeah, I intentionally started years ago making time for those types of things. And now it's just a huge part of my daily routine and I just do it without even thinking about it. And I don't realize that it's weird or that I'm like so much different until somebody points it out. They're like, what are you, like, what are you doing? Like you actually do that? So well, it's just, it's just really common for people to be super high strong. Yeah. Um, we're all, I think professionals at making ourselves feel more important and more busy than we actually are. And I'm definitely guilty of this as well, where if I actually look at what I'm doing in a day, I'm like, that is not a 16 hour workday type of thing. You know, it's like, I'm, I have a lot of leakage going on. Yeah. Oh yeah. Productivity. And don't, don't get me wrong. I do too. Like I still do stupid shit like, and have that, you know, like, yeah. Well, um, I, I don't, what is it? I can't remember what it's called now. Um, I think it's like called Parkinson's law or something. I, I, uh, yeah. I've run across it multiple times. Essentially, essentially like, you know, like your work expands to fit the time yeah. you've allotted for it. Um, but so is that Pareto's principle, is that Pareto's, is that it? Is it Pareto's or is Pareto's 80, 20? I get, yeah, you're right. That's it. You're going yeah. Parkinson's, Parkinson's law or something like that. Yeah. Okay. I get it right as well. So that, yeah, that's what my head's at. But, um, but I, I really took that to heart a while ago yeah. when I first was introduced to that concept and I started like restricting my time for certain things. So it was like, all right, you know, I have client work that I need, I need to do this morning. I'm going to restrict myself to doing, you know, three hours of client work. If I don't get it done in that three hours, I'm moving on. I'm moving on. I'm not just going to like, you know, fuck around and continue yeah. like time. But I always get it done in those three hours because I understand that I can get it done in that time. I just have to stay focused, right? Like I, I can't just, you know, be on my phone. I can't be like surfing the web. I can't like fuck around with my dog in the middle of the day. It's like, if I can stay focused, I'm going to get that stuff done. But I then can, you can do all those other things that you want to do. Yeah. Well, but in, in an alternate world, like I could also allot six hours for doing client work and yeah. not any of it done because I'm just like so distracted because yeah. I'm like, oh, well, I have six hours to do this. So like, I don't really need to rush. And then, you know, hour five comes rolling around. I haven't got anything done. And I'm just like, well, now I don't have the, the ability to actually get any of this client work done. So, no, that's, that's where I'm at with it. Um, you know, part of, part of like my ability, I think to slowly taper up my output in terms of like, you know, client work, but also like content creation, like I like podcasting, just doing all those things, but also now feeling much more like I have a life than I ever did in the past. Yeah. I had the ability to travel, like much more recently, um, you know, what, what this would have been a few weeks ago. Now, a few weeks ago, we went to a music festival and we camped out for five days and I didn't do any work like, That's and I had never got, I had never done that since I've been in this role as a coach, I had never taken that long off from work. Okay. And like there have been times, you know, I've like not checked my email for a day or two, but never like five days where I'm just like, I'm not do, doing any work guys. But I and, was able to and, do that. And the world didn't end, right? Like I bet your yeah. client like were actually supportive of it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was it was really nice. Um, but at the same time, like that proved to me, like okay, dude, you're very capable of doing this. You, like you just need to stay focused for a little bit. Just like don't fuck around, don't waste time, and you can get a lot of stuff done, right? So then now I also take Saturdays off. Every Saturday, it's like I take off from work. Um, whereas before, you, I mean, this would have been years ago. I was a, a seven day a week worker. I was like 
know, pretty much all day, every day I would work or I'd feel like I had to work, but it was really just hustle. Yeah. But it was really just inefficient, right? Like I was very inefficient at everything that I was doing. Um, but now I've gotten to the point where I just kind of understand a little bit more intuitively that you don't have to outwork everyone. If you can just be a little bit more intentional about how you work and that's nice for me, but at the same time, like I sometimes feel like I'm like, do I deserve any of this shit? Like, do I deserve to be like living comfortably whenever I don't feel like I'm working hard? Dude, I, I have those, that's like all the damn time. Like yeah. I just so lucky and just so grateful. Like I literally do exactly what I want to do every single day. And like, I don't ever dread going to work or like any, basically any of my daily habits or any of my daily routine. Like I don't dread anything. And I feel like you and I are probably in the, like the 1% who can say that. And sometimes, yeah, I feel guilty, like borderline guilty about it, you know? But yeah, it's, it's cool. It, so like, what are you doing now with work? Like, are you're fully online now, right? Yeah. So like 99% fully online. So I actually just, uh, speaking of, I've actually got a client coming pretty soon. Uh, but okay. Yeah. So I just started training, uh, in person again, I just picked yeah. up like, wanted to pick up like a couple of clients. So, yeah. uh, so actually right now I've only got one guy that I'm training on oh, Tuesday, Thursday, like at 1 PM. So. But yeah, other than that, I am 100% fully online, which is great. Like just schedule flexibility and everything. But like you were saying too, I've had a similar transformation in that regard as well. It's like, I had that realization where it's like, man, I could take eight hours to do all my client check-ins and I can F around and like get sidetracked and things like that. Or I can block off like two hours, put in some headphones and just like get completely in the zone knock it out. And then I've got like all these extra hours in the afternoon to do the things that I want to do and that I enjoy doing, whether that's going for a ruck or working out or reading more or whatever it is like. So, yeah. Well, I, what time do you have to dip out by the way? I told him I'll be a few minutes late. So probably like 10 minutes. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm good. All right, dude. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll definitely wrap this up here in a second, but yeah. I, I wanted to get at least a couple of, of blurbs of oh, I'm like training and stuff like that. Cause I know yeah. that we'll have to do this again. We'll have to, we'll yeah, have to we, we absolutely will. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I wanted to kind of like get a little bit of your background, just like with where yeah. you came from with training, obviously now, you know, being fully remote, that's where I'm at too, but I have a pretty extensive like in-person background. Like I interned for years in person. I did like group training. I did personal training. I did like, you know, athletic group training. Um, and then I did my own stuff. So I moved on and had my own business in person and then finally migrated online. Like what was your arc there? Was it similar? Yeah, so I started off as an in-person uh, personal trainer at Lifetime Fitness. So that was back in like 2000, what was it, 2011? And I was there, or 2011 or 12, and I was there until 2017. And then in 2017, I started talking with one of my best friends, Mike Dola. Uh, he had a company. It was an online nutrition coaching company called Stronger You. And he's the one that convinced me that like I could go on go online full-time and like make a uh, make basically make what I need to make, you know, or, or make a living doing that. And I was super skeptical. I was like, dude, there's no way possible. Like, but he, you know, we had a few conversations. He nudged me like two or three times before I finally did it. But yeah, I started at Stronger U in 2017, uh, online nutrition company. And then I was there for, I think three years. And then actually in March of 2020, like literally two weeks before like the pandemic started, I decided to go off on my own. So it was like the worst timing possible. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was awful, but uh, thankfully, like everything worked out, and uh, and a lot of my clients that were with me yeah. stayed with me, which he was cool with, and then uh, 
got some friends as clients who spread the word and things like that. So everything went great, but, uh, yeah, I've been doing my own thing since March of 2020. So a little over shoot, it's already been three years. So everything, everything. And during that time, everything has been online. And like I told you until very recently, I decided that I wanted to start taking, uh, in-person clients again. So I'm going to start trying to take like, do like maybe four to six hours of like one-on-one in-person training, just cause it's fun. Like I enjoy connecting with people and talking to people and, Things like that. So, I'm like, it, it can be lonely, man. It can be lonely, yeah, dude. It's totally like totally isolating. And that was another thing. Like, I struggled with that whenever I left Stronger You. Like, whenever I was a Stronger You, I used to bitch about like all the meetings and stuff, you know. But then whenever I left, I'm like, dang, like I miss those. And just like the camaraderie and everything. Because like, even though uh, everybody was like all over the globe and it was online, there was like 90 coaches, and those are people who I consider like colleagues who you can message and like ask questions and shoot things off of and stuff like that. And now I'm like on an island and I do not have that. So that was pretty tough to get past. But I started trying to like find community and things like that in different ways. Like, you know, going to coffee shops and seeing the same guys in there every day and like talking to them and uh, doing all those types of things. So funny, dude. I go to library. Do you? I go oh. to public library. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's funny. Fun. I, go to, I go to Starbucks a lot of days. Sometimes I go to just like a local coffee shop here in town. And yeah. No, yeah. But, uh, but I, but I know everybody up there and like, I go to do this Starbucks I go to, they're awesome. Like whenever I walk in, they all like scream your name basically. But yeah. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I've made best friends with librarians, man. Like they're dope. It's awesome. Yeah. But you know, I, I think that online coaching just in general, like it's, it's really, really, really luxurious. It's, it's a very fortunate position to be in, but I think that there are so many people that like get into online coaching and they just assume that like, all right, cool. Like I'm like, I'm set. Like once I get, you know, 20, 30 clients. Like I don't have to do anything else. Like I'm just a coast forever. Um, especially whenever you own, own your own business and it's all online, like you doing it right before COVID it's actually kind of similar to me. I went from, or from in-person to online, maybe like four or five months before COVID. So I actually did the perfect thing. Yeah. Like I already had an online presence and I already have found it any better. Yeah, I already had enough clients online to like get me through that period, yeah. but I went completely away from in person right before that happened. So like that was the absolute best timing. But I mean, I had absolutely I had no clue what I was supposed to be doing whenever it came to like business. I was just like, I'm just gonna train people. I'm just gonna give you workouts. I'm gonna coach you. Like that that should be it. And it's like the business side of things that has like slowly been catching up with my like technical knowledge on the coaching end of things. But it's been such a slow process. And if someone told me like it would have taken this long for me to like get my shit together whenever it comes to business, I probably would have never done this. Right. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like I like it would have just been such an overwhelming thought to be like, yeah. oh my God, I don't know anything. I'm just gonna go be a trainer at LA Fitness. Or I'm gonna go be yeah. a trainer, like some, you know, in person private gym. Like the fact that I'm here now is just mostly because of my own ignorance at the time. Like I didn't realize I thought it was gonna be so much easier than it was. But right. like as I went along the process, like, well, all right, well, come this far. I can't like back out now. Or like, I have all these clients. I can't just give up. I can't just like quit, you know, yeah. but it's just, it's, it's great, but it's also, I feel like highly glamorized in the sense that yeah. it's, it's very easy to just pretend like online coaching is so easy. It's just like such this like luxurious profession, but dude, it, it's, it's competitive. It's hard. And like, you know, there are definitely times where I'm like, this is, this is a freaking struggle. Yeah, I mean, it's got its downsides just like any other job, yeah. but to me, like, all the upsides outweigh those things, you know? For sure. There are definitely some things that uh, that can be a huge struggle. Yeah. 
Dude, perfect. I'm gonna let you go on that note. Uh, we we're gonna have to do this again because yeah, I'm, I should have asked you before we just hit record no, no. or got your hard cut off. Oh, that we, one. Well, we were just well, we were just kind of talking, and then I I kind of like put you on the spot. I'm like, hey, go ahead and hit record. Like, oh yeah, and then we just went off on a complete tangent. Like, yeah, yeah. get your intro. We didn't yeah. get like your full background. Not, but <laughs> it's fine. Well, I'm gonna let you plug yourself real quick. So just if you yeah. want to drop like where people can find and inform more information about you, um, go yeah. ahead and let them know real quick. Yeah, yeah. So uh, on Instagram at uh, dstanleyfit, uh, also on Threads now. Same at Threads, and then my website is DerekStanleyFitness.com. So those are like the three main three main places that uh, that you can find me. Awesome, dude. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for doing this. And uh, we're definitely gonna do another more structured one soon. Yeah, dude. I'm I'm down. All right, perfect. Thanks, dude. Yeah, I'll see you later.